Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Eric. So um, he mentioned that the books are going to be available um, on our website. So just um, going into the building program, working through budgets and stuff, we just decided it was best not to be stuck with uh, 40 or 50 extra books every time we do a book. So if you want in any of the books that we're going to do, even in the next series that we're going to do, there's going to be just extra material. If you want to study more on it, you can. And it's going to be available through the, an Amazon link you can go to. But I, I want to throw this out there, even, even though we don't want to be stuck with 40 or 50 extra books. If money is a reason why you don't participate in what the church is doing, just let us know. Come up to the connection booth and just say, hey, um, tell Pastor Roger that uh, I need a book. And we'll make it happen. Um, just so you know, that, that should never be a reason to not participate in what the church is doing. All right? Okay. Very good. I'm ready. You guys ready? So um, I was praying about, you know, this first message of the every year, it for me, is, is a very important message. I feel like it sets the trajectory for where we're going as a church, where we're going as individuals. And I believe that people that show up on church on New Year's Day are people that are not just going to church out of obligation. They're people that stayed until 3 in the morning and still had priorities in their life. And so, so I, I believe that the people that are here are hungry for what God has in their life, what God has next. And, um, and, and so as, as a pastor, there's always this pressure in the beginning of the year to, like, you talk about, like, the, the, it's the next you. It's the new, like, it's the best part of, like, it's going to be, ma- like, it's amazing, cotton candy. And I just want to give you what I, I've, I've been praying, and I just believe this is going to be the most pivotal thing in your life, if you'll, if you'll hear me and catch it today. Okay? I, I believe the greatest need, the greatest vacancy, the greatest hole in the body of Christ, not just this local church, but throughout the body of Christ, especially our American church, our Idaho church is this, is Christians who fully chase after God, love God, embrace God, but do not have a Holy Spirit mandate on their life. They love him, they, they want more of God in their life, but they have no purpose or calling that they've been able to understand and move towards. And so we've got entire bodies of Christ across the country. They love Jesus, they would do anything for him, but they have no idea what to do for him. It's a vast spiritual hunger for more of him more of his calling in our life, not just 
a New Year's resolution, but Jesus, what, is, what are you uniquely calling me to do this year? What are you uniquely calling my family to do this year? That's what I want. And I think for me, in, in moving towards discovering my personal calling, I, I think I got it wrong early on. Early on in my walk with God, I, I, I really, I, I think I got it wrong simply just out of my natural cynicism or my, my natural resistance. Because here's the thing about calling. Every one of us have a calling. Every one of us have a purpose from God in our life. But calling is always coupled with a relationship. In fact, everything in the kingdom of God is always married to relationships. When Jesus, later this, later this uh, uh, spring, we're going to be going into some of the parables of Jesus. And when Jesus teaches through parable, every single parable he teaches about has to do with relationships. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of relationships. It's not a kingdom of productivity. It's not a kingdom of accomplishments. It's a kingdom of relationships. And the same thing goes with what our calling is. Our calling is always tied to a relationship. And I got this wrong because I really struggled with this idea that it's not about what you know. It's who you know. And I, I resented that because I felt like I was unknown and didn't know anybody, but I sure knew how to study and I sure knew how to work hard. But can I tell you that your calling is deeply connected to who you know, not what you know. Deeply connected to who you know, not what you know. This is why the Apostle Paul, he, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He's telling the believers to to, to mimic him, to come alongside of him, that through their relationship with him, they would discover their own callings and their own purpose, uh, purposes in life. And so today I, I want us to turn to one of the greatest prophets in all of Scripture. Uh, he, he's an incredible prophet. His name is Elijah. And through the story of Elijah's life, I'm going to show you, I'm just going to tease out some ideas on what it looks like to discover your calling and move forward in your calling, a calling that is coupled with a relationship. This prophet Elijah had, um, he had been on Mount Carmel and he was having a showdown with what the Bible calls the, the prophets of Baal. They, they are um, they're false god prophets that are, are claiming that they've kind of taken over the country and, and they're they're ruling the country, and, and the prophet Elijah says, I, we're going to decide which God will actually be God in our country. We're going to do it by fire. And so there's this, this moment on top of the mountain where, where Elijah, I, I love it because in, in the original languages, you can, you can see like his nuance. So he's like, he's, he claims that their God is constipated, and he does, he does, it's just super, like he, he, he's, he, he's a pot stirrer, right? Like he's getting into it. But what happens is, the one true God answers Elijah's prayer by fire. It consumes the offering that is drenched in water. And the people begin to retaliate against the prophets of Baal for leading them astray. 
And the king, when, when the king sees this, there's this, this, this pronouncement that goes forward and says, what has happened to the prophets of Baal is going to happen to you, Elijah. We're going to kill you. And, and Elijah finds himself, after this incredible moment with God, running for his life and feeling very alone. Isn't it crazy how, how, uh, how short our memories are for the things that God does in our lives? Like, he, he'll just, like, just deliver us from the craziest situation, and a week later, we're like, God, where are you? I tell people, like, everyone's an atheist at least once a week. You know what I mean? We're just like, look, oh. And, and, and Elijah is, is running off. The Bible says he finds himself laying under a broom tree. I don't know what a broom tree is, but he's, he's laying under a, a broom. I, I do know what a broom tree is, but I was being sarcastic because it sounds like a Harry Potter thing. And he's, he's sleeping under a broom tree, and the Bible says he wakes up in, from his sleep, and he sees that there are jars of water and warm loaves of bread prepared for him around his head. He wakes up, and, and the Lord tells him, he says, eat this and drink this. It's for your journey ahead. He's telling Elijah, your life is not over. Things are not done. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for you. Get ready. Elijah drinks the jars of water. He eats the food. And the Bible says he travels 40 days south to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, or even older, it was called the Mountain of the Lord. And he goes to this place that was where God met the children of Israel with Moses and fire and thunder and voices from the top of the mountain. He goes to the, the ancient holy places. And he hears the voice of God ask him a question. And God says, what are you doing here? It seems that Elijah didn't understand the purpose of the bread and the water. He knew there was a plan, but he thought, for some reason, the plan looked like retreating to old victories. And the Lord says, what are you doing here? And Elijah finds himself hiding in a cave, this, this moment of hiding in a cave, fearing for his life, that people were coming to kill him. And he, he hears, or he sees a, a mighty wind. This wind begins to blow, and it's, it's a windstorm. It's like this Middle Eastern sandstorm. There, he's in the desert, so this Middle Eastern sandstorm begins to blow, and, and he's hiding in the cave, and the Bible says, and, and God was not in the wind. And, and then an earthquake hits, and he's inside of a cave, and it just seems like everything around. Have you ever been in a place like that, where you're, you're, you've withdrawn, you found yourself in a cave, and yet even in the cave, everything still keeps shaking? And the Bible says that God was not in the earthquake. And then it says a fire, like it's like <laughs> from bad to badder. A fire breaks out. He's in the, he finds himself in the middle of a forest fire. And the Bible says, and God was not in the fire. And then it says that there was a still, small whisper, and God's voice was in the whisper. And what I find so interesting is the Bible records what God says to him in the whisper. God repeats himself. He says... What are you doing here? And Elijah responds and he says, God, what I'm doing here is I, I'm the only person you got right now. 
Like I'm the only one that would stand up to the prophets of Baal. I'm the only one living right. I'm, maybe I'm the only one in my school. I'm the only one on my job site that lives for you. Like I'm the, I'm the only one in the hospital that loves the Lord. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm the only one. I'm the only one you got and I'm hiding because you haven't looked out for me. And God's response sounds something like, oh, you thought you were the only one. I got it all wrong. Like, you thought you were the only way I was going to be able to defeat the prophets of Baal. You thought, like, you were the key to the kingdom. Like, you thought you were God's unique man. God says this. He says, what you don't know is while you're moping and complaining that you're the only one that nobody cares about, I have 7,000 others just like you that you have not met yet. It's unique because God tells him this. He says, I've got, I've got 7,000 others, which gives us a clue into why God gave him the bread and the water in the first place. Because he had a purpose. The very next verse we find ourselves moving into this, this space where, where Elijah is taking action on what God says. It says this in verse 19 of chapter 19 in 1 Kings. So 1 Kings is in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's what we call a historical book. So there are several books in the Old Testament. They usually, they, they're often coupled, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So couple, couplets of books that share the history of God's people. And this is 1st Kings. And he says, so Elijah went and he found Elisha, son of Shaphath, plowing in a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. So he's way far south below where current Israel is. He's kind of down southwest. And he's at the Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of the Lord, whatever you want to call it. And God says, no, you forgot there are 7,000 people that are just like you, that have a heart for God just like you. You thought you had to do this whole thing on your own. There are 7,000 others Go looking. And as he's on the way towards Damascus, he's headed north. He finds a field. And in this field is a young farmer. And the young farmer, depending on which translation you use, is doing one of two different things. He's either plowing a small field with 12 sets of oxen. So he's got 12 different couplets of oxen, or if you read it in other translations, it appears to say he is behind a 12 set of oxen plow. So either he's this guy that is like overdone how many people he needs to run the field, or he's the guy that has like the Lamborghini of plows. <laughs> and he's, he's moving forward. What we, what we see immediately from this guy, Elisha, is he is highly driven and highly motiva motivated to do something with his life. He's been given an opportunity that looks like a pile of dirt, and he's put a lot of work behind that, that, that space. Can, can I just say this? If you're waiting for God to give you something really cool, some really cool ministry, before you put your weight behind it, you're going to wait a long time. But if you would lean into the 
piece of land, the plot of dirt, the, the, the family God's given you, the space God's given you, what the ministry, the workplace that God has given you, and, and you become a 12 oxen kind of worker, God pulls calling out of people that lean into small things. This is what, why I teach my kids. Like, we're Yadens, we work hard. This is what I teach the kids. I say, if it's just hard work, we can do hard work. This is a great anthem for our lives. If it's just, if it's just plowing a field, oh, I'll plow a field. You're going to give me 12 sets of oxen, and we're going to plow this field. Like, we're going to move a lot of poop. Can you imagine 12, 24 oxen in a field? Oh, it stank. But he was out there making that money, wasn't he? What I see in this, and, and as, as I, and I'm, gonna, I'm talking about calling, but remember I said calling is always coupled with relationships. If you want to move forward in your calling in life, God is going to send a person into your life. Can I say this, that mentors are attracted to self-starters. You may be wanting to start a business. The, the person you want to mentor you is not the person that's going to sit down and show you all the basics. The person that you want to mentor you is the one that expects you to figure out the basics. They're looking for self-starters. And this is what Elijah does. He sees Elisha and he sees this, this young kid is motivated. He's got, he's got 24 oxen he's behind. Or he had hired 11 other plow people with their oxen. And he goes on and it says, And Elijah walked over to him and he threw his cloak across his shoulders and then he walked away. He gives him this, this symbol of there is something more for your life. I see you leaning into what God has already given you, and I can tell that the reason you're moving so, like you're working so hard towards that is, you want more than life has already given you. And the mantle represents more. A mantle is basically a cloak. He just puts his cloak like a cape over him. There's more to life than, than chasing after success. There's more to life than climbing the rankings on a leaderboard. There's more to life than being the best salesman at your job. At some point, there comes a moment where you find yourself plowing in life with 12 oxen, hoping for something more. And can I just say that when that mantle drops, when the, the spark of calling appears in your life, it overthrows all of the success. It overthrows all of the climbing, it overthrows all of the chasing after the ego. Let me, let me stop for a second. Maybe, maybe for you, like no matter where you are in your walk with God, maybe for you, you've been living for God for a few years, or, or maybe for you, you, you don't even know if you believe in God yet, but you've just been coming around because you're, you're trying to find spiritual language for what you, what you feel. I want to say this. No matter where you are in your walk with God, 
we can all agree that this routine of life quickly loses its luster and that the hyper-individualism of our culture is ultimately a poison that convinces us that we're supposed to chase after the best version of ourselves, and it ends up being a hollow drum. And that there's more to life than just providing for ourselves, but ultimately, inside every single one of us, there's a desire to see what could be if our life was leveraged for others. The, the Bible describes it like this. It says that eternity is written on the hearts of man. There's, there's a hope that our life would mean more. So what I'm saying is like a, a career is important. We, we all need a career. You, you've got to pay your bills somehow. A career is, is a rational, logical decision. It's when you, you take your skill set and you, you match your skill set to what the marketplace needs, and then you, you look for the highest return on investment. So if you're a teacher, you're, you're, you're taking your skill set of teaching and you're matching it to a need within the marketplace, and you're looking for the best return you can get on it. Very valuable, but calling is something different. A calling or a vocation, it's not a logical decision. It's something otherworldly. It's something from outside of you that draws you to go make a difference in a way that does or does not pay the bills. And so for some people, it looks like church ministry. For other people, it looks like building schools. For other people, it looks like going over and, and doing medical work overseas. It, it's this calling, this, this desire to do something more with my life than just plow a field for the rest of my days. The theologian Viktor Frankl, he said this, that the wrong question is, what do I want from life? The right question is, what does life want from me? If you spend all of your time trying to do your vision board for what you want in the next year, you will waste your year. But if you ask God, where do I fit on your vision board, this will be the most invigorating, vibrant year of your life. So we find this prophet Elisha, he's, he's there, he's, he's had the prophet Elijah throw a cloak over him, and the Bible says in the next verse that Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elijah, and he said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go to you. Elisha chases after this prophet Elijah. Let me say this, if, if you're searching to develop your calling, searching to develop whatever that deep, otherworldly draw is in your life, it's going to be coupled to a person, but it's on you. It's not on them to chase you down. It's on you. Stop waiting for someone else to find you and discover you. Stop waiting for someone else to see the incredible gift that you are. Start pursuing the people God has already placed in your life. It's not that the door opens and then they chase after you, hoping to draw greatness out of you. It's that you have a brush with greatness and you chase after greatness. This is, this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus, Jesus does not call his disciples three or four times. 
This is the thing that drives me nuts in the church, just in the American church right now. Drives me nuts. As a pastor, I'll see such calling in someone's life, and I'll be like, we need to work that. And the response is, yeah, okay. Like, like we, we need to get you off the bleachers, on the field. Okay. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't ask three or four times. Jesus walks past his disciples while they're fishing. They're out there doing their version of a field. And Jesus says, hey, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And walks away. Jesus doesn't go to Peter. He's like, Peter, like, Peter, I see so much goodness in you. Like, like you could be the guy, Peter, if you, would, if you could just see in you what I see in you. Like, come on, Peter. He doesn't keep doing that. Jesus says, Peter, follow me. And Peter's got a choice now, either follow or walk away. This is what Elisha does, or Elijah does. He just says, you, he, the, the mantle's there, the moment's there, the calling is available if you want it. What are you going to do? The answer is this, that whether your calling is successful or not, whether it's revealed or not, it is, it's on you. It's on you. Whether or not you're going to be frustrated waiting for someone else to see what you see. Or will you start moving forward? The Bible tells us that he then takes the wood from his cart and he, he roasts the oxen. Which, which is really gross when you think about it. These are not like corn-fed cows in a feedlot somewhere that are all marbleized. These are hard-working oxen, <laughs> and, he, and he feeds it to all the people. I'm sure it was, it was a difficult task all, all by itself, you know what I mean? Like, like, no, seriously, take some. No, seriously, take this, just chew it, gnaw on this. Just put enough barbecue sauce on it, anything's good, right? He feeds the people, and then it says this, in verse 21, at the end of verse 21, it says, Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. If you're looking for a calling in your life as you move into this next year, if you're, if you're looking for God's purpose in your life, one of the greatest mistakes we make is we think we're supposed to be the shining star. We think it's about us. Instead, what happens here is Elisha says, even though I recognize that I've got what it takes to do a 24 oxen field, I've been successful in another lifetime. I'm going to be your assistant. I'm going to move this ball forward. I'm just telling somebody today, you recognize calling in your life, and you're waiting for someone else to see your glorious calling, and I'm just telling you, if you would just say, what needs to be done? I want to do whatever needs to be done, and I'll wait for God's timing for my moment. For me, that looked like years of serving other people's ministries in the shadows, helping other things move forward that had nothing to do with me, never getting credit for what I did, before it was ever seen what I was doing. I'm just telling somebody, the best year of your life could be this year if you would be willing to set aside that individualistic, ego-driven, success-driven version of ministry that says, I need to be seen. And you would say, can I come alongside somebody and help them? So this begins to happen. This is the story of his life. He, he's following the prophet 
Elijah around. He's helping the prophet Elijah. He's getting, he's just doing whatever needs to be done. And there, there are another group of young men that are ministry-minded. They're, they're called the sons of the prophet or the school of the prophet. And the Bible tells us that they, they ask him, they're like, what are you doing? Like, don't you know he's getting ready to leave? And, and Elisha's response is, yeah, I know exactly what he's doing. Like, I know exactly. He has no clue. He has no clue. He's like, yeah, I know what we're doing. <laughs> he, has, he has no clue, but he's in. And the other prophets are like, hey, why don't you just come join us? And we're doing this really cool thing here. Come, come join us. We're doing this really cool thing. And he stays with the prophet Elisha. And the next book, so that was in 1 Kings, in the next book, which is 2 Kings, we see this encounter where the prophet Elijah tells Elisha, he says, I'm going to go to a place called Bethel. I'm leaving. Why don't you stay here? Stay where you're at. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to move on. And here's Elisha's response. He says, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. This is the heart of a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter. It doesn't stop there. Just, just a short while later, in fact, two verses later, Elijah says, okay, why don't you stay here? We're in Bethel. Stay here. You've done great. Stay here. I'm going to Jericho. And Elisha's response is, as surely as the Lord lives you, uh, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they went together to Jericho. And then the prophet says, you've come this far. You've done really good. You need to stay here. I'm going across the Jordan River. Stay here. I'm going across the Jordan River. And Elisha's response is, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they went on together. There, there is nothing that can replace years of faithfulness. There's just something powerful about just saying, I'm in, whether it's good times or whether it's bad times, I'm in. I'm not going to leave at the first moment of difficulty, I'm in, I'm going all in. Like I've seen countless young men in business that because they were chasing after just a higher wage job, that they missed out on some of the greatest opportunities of their life, instead of investing in relationship and saying, I'm in, whether the pay's great or the pay's not, I see a future here, that they chased after a wage when they could have owned the business. I've seen young men in ministry that, or young men and women in ministry that, that, that were pursuing after their own thing so much instead of just saying, if God is in this, I'm in this. This could be the, this could be the pivotal moment of your year right here. If you would say, I'm going to stop being so fickle and I'm just going to stay planted in my family, in my church, in my job, in my school. I'm just in for the long haul. 
And then it goes on, a few more years have passed, or some time has passed. And in verse 9 it says, And when they came to the other, I guess not some time, they crossed the river. So they came to the other side, and, and Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what, what I can do for you before I am taken away. He recognizes this, this young prophet is, is not going to leave. This young prophet that had a glimmer of calling and hope in his life. And Elisha responds, Please let me be your son. That's what he's saying. Well, we read double portion and we're like spiritualize it and we make it, oh, yes, he does double the miracles. But what he is saying is the equivalent of saying, I want to be your son because a firstborn son receives, in this culture, a firstborn son receives double the inheritance of all the other kids. And he knows the prophet does not have any children. So he's saying, he said, I've been with you a long time. I don't just want what you have. I want to be family. I'm not just chasing after a calling. I'm chasing after a relationship. This is, this is what Jesus does at, at the cross. Jesus, Jesus is on the cross. He looks down and he sees John. And he says, John, he says, Behold, he's talking about Mary, his mother. He says, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. In, in, in Jesus' greatest moment of pain, the faithfulness of John made him something different than the rest of the disciples. He became family because calling is not just about being successful. Vocation is not just about getting something done or being a bright, shining star. It's about family. And he goes on and he, he says, I, 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 I want a double, double share of your spirit and I want to become your successor. How do you get the right to ask that kind of a question? Years of faithfulness. And he responds, he says, you've asked me a difficult thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. He said, if you're still with me, if you're still tenacious until the end, you will get your request. So I just want to summarize. Because I truly believe the best thing you could have this year is not a new year resolution it's not a reset on the way you think. It's plunging headfirst towards the calling that God has for your life and identifying the people that that is coupled with. So first thing would be this. The band, you guys can come on up. First thing would be this. I'm going to summarize. If you're somebody that, that is looking for your calling to be developed... Don't wait until Elijah finds you. Don't wait until someone comes and taps you on the shoulder before you start leaning into the things that God has already put in front of you. In our culture code as a church, one of the things we say is we are faithful in the small things. Don't wait until someone says, oh, you have an amazing voice. 
before you start leaning into what God already has for you. Let me, let me ask you this question. How many teams of oxen are you pushing on your field? Are you doing the bare minimum waiting for someone to see you? Or are you rolling up your sleeves and saying, whatever God has given me to do, I'm going to do it with all my might. The next thing is this. It's on you. If you want your calling to be developed and you want to find a mentor in your life to help you develop it, it's all on you. It may be a moment where someone says, hey, here's my phone number, and you're waiting for them to call you. No, the mentor doesn't need to call the mentee. You, you may have had a chance encounter with a business person that you, you've been always wanting to connect with and you, you, you feel like this is a kingdom relationship. It's on you to chase after that person and say, can I just get 10 minutes of your time to talk? And th this has been the story of my life. I remember at, at a, I would say a chance encounter, but it was actually at a, a wedding in a pastor's office in Walla Walla. I met somebody named Pastor Bob Grimm, who's, a, who's an overseer in this church. He wasn't at that point. All I knew was I sensed God in that moment. And I gave him my phone number and he gave me his. And what I didn't do was I didn't sit around and be like, why doesn't this guy call me? What am I? Chopped liver? It's not what I did. What I did was I drove to Walla Walla once a month to buy him lunch. If you want a mentor in your life, it's on you. Because the mentor you want is not the one with all the time in the world. If you want a successful mentor, whether it's business, family, church, ministry, small group, you're looking for the person that already has their thing going. So go all in. That's my next point is go all in. As long as you're on the fence as to whether or not you're gonna lean into your calling, nothing's gonna happen. You've got to go all in. This, this first message of 2023, I am challenging you to dive into the deep end of the things of God and go all in. Go all in. Because the people that God wants to use to pull out your destiny and calling, they don't have time to jumpstart you. They're looking for someone that's already running. This is why people come to Jesus all the time. Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus would tell them, go home. He'd tell them to go home. Because he's looking for people that are all in. Next is this, be an assistant got to get out of the mindset that this needs to look like someone recognizing my calling and elevating my calling. And you've got to get into the mindset of whatever God is doing already is what I want to participate in. 
when I first came to this church, you know what my ministry was? I stacked chairs for a year before anyone showed up in the building because it needed to be done. And I, I didn't just stack chairs. I prayed in tongues over those chairs the whole time, just praying for every person that would come sit in those chairs that they would have an encounter with God. Next would be this. Don't get stuck in the side conversations. The school of the prophets or the, the sons of the prophets, they were telling him, Elisha, just, just come with us. This road is not good enough. You, you need to just come with us. There's always gonna be a skeptic to what God is doing in your life. Good intentions, but it's the voice of reason. And I'm just telling you, if you want to move into your calling, into what God's called for your life, you've got to get away from those side conversations. Last one, be persistent. You gotta push in. You've gotta lean into whatever it is that God has for you. When the prophet said, stay here, he said, no, I'm not staying here. The prophet said, just wait, I'm not waiting. I will never leave. Amen. Be persistent. Is that, is that helpful? I, I wasn't planning on, on doing this. I, I only planned on doing this for the first service, but I'm just going to do it. So there are not slides for this, but this is for those of you that are in a season of life where you recognize that God is calling you to invest in someone else that is looking for a mentor. That's you. You feel like you have something to provide to someone else. This is you. Listen. Don't go alone. Elijah's greatest problem was he believed the only way God was going to do something in the nation was through him. This is why he went and hid in a cave because he thought God's purposes couldn't happen if he was dead. This was his complaint to God in the cave. I, I'm all alone. I'm doing everything by myself. And God's like, no, knucklehead. There's 7,000 others that all want a kick at the can. Can I tell you, if you are in ministry in this church, if you lead a small group in this church, there are hundreds of other people that want an opportunity to do what you're doing. They just want to know how to teach other people about the goodness of Jesus. There's just other people that want a chance. And so what I'm saying is, don't do it alone. The next is this, throw your coat and walk away. Do not chase after what you think is talent. Identify calling, point it out in them, and keep moving. Drives me nuts when I'm like, hey, come on, I see so much in you. I see so much in you. I see so much in you. Wasting my time. Telling small group leader, you're, you're, needing, you're wanting to develop, you recognize that teaching is important in the kingdom of God and you want to grow more people. Don't chase after talent. Call calling and see what it does. Follow God and not the voices of others and respect your mentees. At the end, the mentee, Elisha says this. He says, I, I want to be family. 
And Elijah doesn't say, you're out of your mind. He says, this is a hard thing, but we're gonna figure out a way to make it happen. The next would be this, give it all away. Give it all away. And when it's time to step aside, let the other ones shine. Let them shine. Would you stand with me across the room? I know this wasn't like a typical New Year's message. But I believe God is calling many of the people in this room into a deeper place in Him and finding out what their calling is. And I believe if you will make Him first this year, this will be the best year of your life. If this resonated with you, would you just raise your hands? I just want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray for everyone in this room that is looking to to develop their calling. They're looking for a mentor in their life. They're looking for someone that would speak into their world. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that they would not miss those moments, but they would have a keen ear to recognize kingdom relationships that, they, that they, would, they would identify what you are doing and who you are doing it through and that they would have the courage to chase after. God, I, I pray against that, 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 that timid spirit that says, I will just do the bare minimum to get by. But I pray this house would be marked by people that run with 12 yoke of oxen. Men and women that push hard, that, that lean into what you've already placed in their hands. God, I pray for those that that recognize you're calling them into a a mentoring, developing season. I pray they would not be intimidated by the task. Come against the fear of not knowing enough. And I pray they would be confident enough that they can let another shine. Lord Jesus, you've called this church to stand shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of other churches in this valley, to act as a net to a migration of people that are searching for something more. God, I pray that we would all individually find our place where we fit in the kingdom of God so that you can gather your children that are flooding to this region. I wonder real quick if you just kind of keep the same heart posture. I know I didn't talk about following Jesus at all, but maybe you're in the room and you just sense this like, oh, I've got to get right with God. You just sense like God drawing you right now and it's, it's on you. If that's you, what I want to say is you're feeling the spirit of God. You're sensing the spirit of God calling to your soul right now. He wants the relationship to be with him. If if that's you, you you recognize what I'm talking about. And I'm saying like, you feel God calling you, drawing you now to come back to him. If that's you, would you put your hand up so I can see where you're at? Come on, see some hands. See those hands. And more importantly, he sees your hand. 
Here's what we're going to do. It's very simple. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that don't please God. We're going to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us of all sin. And he pulls us into a conversation with him. Pray something like this with me. Jesus, I'm I'm sorry for the things in my life that I'm not proud of. Sorry for the things in my life that don't please you. I'm turning away from them now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried for three days, and he rose again with all power in his hands. So right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision of their life. Let's let this be a year of of calling. Let's let this be a year of moving forward into what God has for us. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.